This morning is all about bread. We see in our gospel passage that Jesus multiplies the bread. Later on in that same chapter of John, he says, I am the bread of life. And in Jesus' culture, bread is the staple food. It is the entree at every meal, and other things are just sides that are sometimes nice to have. So like the fish in this passage, it's probably just something salty to put on the bread. It's all about the bread. Our culture is a little bit different. We still have bread at most meals, but it's not usually the center. So we have toast with our eggs at breakfast. We have croutons in our salad. We go to dinner and get our $5 fish filet meal at McDonald's. And we realize that we've got two loaves and a fish, which follows the pattern of this passage. And if you get the double filet, then it's two loaves and two fishes. Now we're even closer. Throw in a couple more buns, and you've got a biblical meditation on this passage. It's like a culinary divina. But if you are like some of my friends and have given bread up for Lent, you know how hard it is to to find enough to eat without having bread. Or if you need to be off gluten for health reasons, you know that it can be a challenge to find enough nutrition without bread. I'm so glad we serve gluten-free communion here at Rez. I I was at a church last summer, and uh, their communion bread was all gluten-free. And so I uh, received the bread, and that afternoon I got really sick, and I thought, oh no, I am gluten-free intolerant. Guys, it's really hard. And I told one of my gluten-free friends this, and she said, well, you are intolerant. (laughs) Jesus is uh, talking about bread, and and for him, in his culture, bread often was just a stand-in for food. And, And we need food physically for our bodies to keep going. We need food, we need water, and we need breath in our lungs. And here at the beginning of the Gospel of John, in John chapter 3, Jesus is talking on the rooftop with, uh, Nicodem- uh, with um, Nicodemus, and he says, I will give you wind and my spirit, breath in your lungs. And in chapter 4, with the woman at the well, he says, I am the living water. And now here in chapter 6, he says, I am the bread of life. Just like our bodies were made to need those things to keep going physically, we were made spiritually for the Lord. We were made for him. We were made to be filled by Jesus. And when we're not filled by Jesus, we are empty. And we are hungry. And Lent is is teaching us to be hungry for Jesus, hungry for that relational connection with him, hungry for that deeper sense of purpose and, and, and meaning. If you've come hungry for something more this morning, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And I am here so you can eat of me and be filled. So as we turn to look at this passage, um, would you pray with me? And Lord, we just invite you now to come and be with us and fill us. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit in us, would you give us understanding and the experience of what it means that you are the bread of life and what it means to be filled by you. Amen. Well, you can turn um, in your Bible, your bulletin to John 6. In this passage, Jesus has been teaching in the countryside, and he's been healing, and he needs a break. So that's why he crosses over in a boat to the other side of the shore. He's trying to sneak away for some quiet time in the mountains, but someone spotted him, like a, like a rabbi paparazzi, and he told everyone, and they all follow him over to the other side. And he lands, 
And we're told by the other writers who tell this of, of this event that he's not annoyed, he's not frustrated, he's not even just exhausted, but he responds uh, with compassion. It says he's moved with compassion. His love is, is so strong, it's physical, and he sees them as sheep without a shepherd. And so he begins to teach them, the kingdom of God is at hand. I have come to set the captive free. And he begins to heal them and touch them and heal them of physical diseases and afflictions and, and to heal them from their sin. And as he's spending the day teaching and healing, it gets later in the day and he realizes these folks are going to need some food to eat. And John gives us this beautiful line here. You can see it there in verse 6. He says, For he himself knew what he would do. Jesus knew what he would do. And if this is a movie, this is where we'd get the flashback scene to hundreds of years before when God has brought the people of Israel up out of Egypt where they were slaves. And now they are in a wilderness and they don't have anything to eat. And they would die without food. And so God, through his prophet Moses, provides for them manna in the wilderness, flaky white bread that shows up every morning. And there's just enough for what they need. And if they try to take extra, it gets bad. The Exodus 16 says it, it gets worms and starts to stink. And if, if they try to eat it the next day, it's gone bad. But it's enough. And, and God provided for them. And Jesus knew what he was going to do. He's going to fulfill this Old Testament, story, Old Testament story about bread. But it's not just looking back. It's looking forward to. There's a New Testament story about bread. And it's, it's from Luke 22, the, the Passover meal, where Jesus is with his disciples and he says, he took bread and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And notice that we get similar phrases in John and in the other gospel writers. Jesus takes the loaves when he'd given thanks, that word given thanks there, that's the same word we get the word Eucharist from, thanksgiving. When he'd given thanks, he distributed them, he gave them to those who were seated. The other gospels say, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke, and gave. See, Jesus isn't just looking back to fulfill an Old Testament story of bread. He's creating a new story of bread because he knows in just a little bit in the future, he's going to be standing on another hillside in front of a crowd of people. But this hillside's going to be called Golgotha. And he's going to have compassion on all those people in front of him and on every person who has ever lived or whoever will live. And he's going to offer them the, the greatest teaching and the ultimate act of healing. He's going to offer his own body and blood on the cross that he might become the bread of life, broken and given. See, Jesus knew what he would do. He's not just offering bread. He's actually becoming the bread of heaven. And when the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years, their bread, it only lasted a day. It was enough and nothing more. When Jesus multiplies the bread in the wilderness to the 5,000 people, he multiplies it abundantly with leftovers that fill 12 baskets. But when Jesus gives himself as the bread of heaven on the cross, it's immeasurable. It's 
everlasting. It's infinite. The grace and riches and kindness of God that he gives to us. He gives himself to us as the bread of heaven. Jesus says later in chapter 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died, but this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. See, what happens when you eat something is that you take the nutrients that are in it and they are translated to sustain your life. So when we eat Jesus, we take his life into our life. This is what the theologian Alexander Schmemann is talking about when he says, we are what we eat. When we try to fill that emptiness, that need, that hunger for Jesus with anything else, It's not for our own good and for our own health. But when we fill that hunger for God with Jesus, the bread of life, his life is in us. And what does it mean to have life in Christ? It means to participate in the shape and the pattern of Jesus' life. It means that just as Jesus was taken, blessed, broken, and given, so too we are taken up and received by God and blessed as daughters and sons whom he loves and then broken and given out so that the life of Jesus, the bread of life, can come through us for the life of the world. See, here's where the miracle is in this passage. It's not just that bread is multiplied to satisfy our physical hunger. It's that the infinite grace of Jesus is multiplied to us, and then through us. It's it's the multiplication of the disciples. It's the multiplication of us, of the life, of the bread of life coming for us and in us and through us. We see the symbol of this captured in John when Jesus gives the bread first to his disciples and then to the crowds. And in that transaction, it's multiplied. There was a, um, a mathematician who lived in the 13th century named Fibonacci. And many of you have heard of the Fibonacci number sequence. And it started with this experiment about rabbits, as most, most great discoveries do. And um, so, so here's what the hypothetical question was. Okay, if you take a pair of rabbits, and let's say hypothetically that they reproduce um, once every month, how many rabbits would you have in a year? Well, the first month, there's one more rabbit, so that's still not a second pair. But the next month, now there's two pairs. And then in month three, there's now three pairs. For month four, it just keeps going. Five pairs, eight pairs, 13 pairs. 21 pairs, 34, 58, 89, 44, 144. It's, it's the Fibonacci sequence of numbers, and it's, a, it's an exponential multiplication that occurs. And this is the shape of the gospel. 
that Jesus multiplies his life through us. Rich Stearns, the founder of World Vision, calls this the domino effect of the gospel. He tells a story about a man named Robert Wilder who lived at the end of the 19th century, beginning of the 20th century. And Robert Wilder led a man to the Lord and discipled him whose name was Samuel Moffat. And Moffat felt called by God to go out to the mission field and was sent to Korea. And in Korea, he met someone named Kiel Soon Chu. And he led Kiel Soon Chu to the Lord and shared with him Jesus, the bread of heaven. And shortly thereafter, Kiel Soon Chu was a leader in a revival movement that broke out in Korea where thousands and thousands of people came to the Lord. And at Kiel Soon Chu's funeral in 1935, there were 5,000 people there who'd come to the Lord through his ministry. Do you see the domino effect? Today, there are 15 million believers in Korea, and they send more missionaries throughout the world than any other country. It's the multiplication of the gospel. It's the multiplication of Jesus, the bread of life, coming through us. I read that story last week, and then this past week, we were on a clergy retreat um, with clergy from our diocese, and uh, our bishop's wife, Catherine, gave this story. That It's the same story. A family that she knew growing up. Their sons um, were led to the Lord by her family, and then they went on to pastor a church where hundreds are coming to the Lord. This happens over and over and over again, from Jesus to 12 disciples to a crowd of thousands to us. It's the multiplication, it's the domino effect of the gospel that when we, when we receive Jesus' gift to us, we are received by God, we are blessed, and then we are broken and given out for others. There's a great application of this in our New Testament reading for today, from Ephesians 2, starting at verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, the work of God offering us the bread of life is his work. And he works that life in us as his workmanship. And then he works that life through us in the work that he's called us to do. You know, the the Israelites leaving Egypt, they did not have food. They would have died. And the people coming to Jesus for healing and teaching, they were hungry for him. They needed his touch, and they didn't have physical food that day either. And and that is the way that we come to Jesus. We have to come to him hungry, knowing that we cannot feed ourselves. We cannot fill ourselves, and when we try to fill ourselves with other things, it doesn't end well. God's grace comes to us. It is his work. It's not our work. It's his work of multiplying his grace. And he multiplies it in us. It says, we are his workmanship in Christ. A lot lot of folks in my generation, we have this sort of inflated self-esteem thing that happens. We've been told we can do anything, we can be anything. 
Um, we have within us the power to do whatever we want to do, and what we want to do is be a rock star, so we go on American Idol, and we sing very poorly in front of everybody. This, this passage is talking not about an overinflated self-esteem. It's talking about God's esteem for us. That when God looks at us, he sees someone that he has skillfully and wonderfully made. Someone that he has um, given gifts of dignity, beauty, and goodness to. He sees someone that he loves so much that he gave himself for each of us. He gave his own life for our life. And then he took upon himself our lives to make them his greatest mission and his greatest work. Each of us is the God of the universe's greatest work. And he is an artist who once he starts in our lives with our brokenness will not stop until he brings beauty. It's a promise. This is his promise to us. It's a prophecy. It will happen. The life of Jesus in us because we are his workmanship. You know, in the feeding of the 5,000, the little boy, he brings Jesus barley loaves. Barley is what you make bread with if you can't buy anything nice to make bread with. Barley is, is poor people's food. And Jesus takes our food stamp basics and he pours his life into us and he turns it and transforms it into the bread of heaven that sustains us with eternal life. We are his workmanship. The life of Jesus in us And the life of Jesus through us, because he has works that he has already planned for us to do. Works of the bread of life coming through us. And Lent is a realization not only of our own personal emptiness and hunger, but also of the emptiness and hunger in our communities, in our homes, in our streets, and in the streets of the nations. When we look at the overwhelming need that is out there, we feel like the disciples did. Eight months' wages are not enough to provide bread for this crowd. There is too much need. We don't have what it takes. But Jesus says, it's not about what you have. I am the bread of life, and I am in you. What what do we give a world that's so hungry? We give them Jesus through us. I'll tell you a story about how this progression looked in one person's life, a friend of mine here at Resurrection. And when he came to Resurrection, even though he had grown up in the church, he didn't know if he still believed that Jesus, Jesus would give his life for him, that Jesus would f- work his life in his life, or could do his work through his life. He didn't know if he still believed that. He wanted to, but he didn't know. See, he had just gone through a painful loss of a family member near to him. And in that feeling of emptiness, he tried to fill it with other things. And a, a pattern of behavior slowly turned into an addiction. And, and, and what would make him feel f- full for a moment just left him even emptier. And he didn't know if God could meet him in the destruction of his life. And he wanted his life to matter. He wanted it to have a purpose. 
But he couldn't see how that could be possible in the church. What he found as he worshipped and, and leaned into his relationships here is that in the midst of his pain, Jesus was there. The compassionate, loving Jesus was with him and actually wanted something better for his life, wanted to fill him where he was hungry with food that is eternal. This is what he said to me this past week. He said, I've come to realize that God has made me to be someone. And with a smile on God's face, he's drawing me into who I truly am, who he made me to be, who I would have wanted to be if I had known. And this is a place of deep satisfaction. See, a big part of that satisfaction for him has been how he's been able to serve. He went from resenting what God might ask him to do or give up to finding his most connection and joy in the Lord when he pours himself out, when his life is taken, blessed, broken, and given. And after a morning of serving here at Resurrection a few weeks ago, he said to me, I just love serving this church. And I feel like everything I pour out and give here comes back to me a hundred times. It's the multiplication of the gospel. It's the multiplication of Jesus who gave his life for us so that he could bring his life in us and then work his life through us. Jesus can do that for you. Some of you have lost hope in the gospel that Jesus is the bread of life. He wants to bring a new hope to you this morning, a new vision for what he can do in your hearts, what he can do through you to love others. See, he's the bread of life and a bread that multiplies exponentially for the whole world. He's given himself out of love for us so that he can do his work in us, so that he can reach others through us, so that you and me and every day, everybody's can bring the everlasting bread of heaven to a lost and hungry world. Amen. Would you pray with me? just leave some silence now for um, Jesus to speak to each of us. It may be that you've never tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that Jesus loves you and gave his life for you, and that Jesus would invite you to believe that he is the bread of life and to receive him. It may be that you look at your life and you can't imagine that Jesus could bring good and bring beauty out of what's broken, that he could fill your hunger. But Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Those who eat of me will never hunger. Jesus wants to give you a vision of hope for your life, for how he can bring his bread of life through you. And some of you need your visions expanded about how he might want to do that. How he can show his love through you 
You want your life to be offered and, and broken and given for others. You can give yourself to the Lord this morning. So Lord Jesus, speak to us what it means that you are the bread of life. Amen.